What is the purpose of the 430 days mentioned in Ezekiel 4? He says it represents 430 years of punishment on Israel. But Jeremiah prophesied that Israel would only be punished for 70 years. And history backs that up. Is there a way to reconcile all of this? What does the number 430 even come from anyway? You'll find all that out today on the Cross References Podcast. the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a newbie Christian or a veteran Bible reader, our goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. This is Luke Taylor. I'm a pastor and now a mathematician, and you'll find out why today. I don't know if I mentioned before my love for the show Lost as a teenager, and that was this show with an incredibly complex and interconnected story. If you've never seen Lost, it was not a show that you could just jump into a few seasons in. You really had to see it from the beginning to understand what was going on. And once you got a few seasons in, every scene was important. Every line of dialogue was either propelling the story forward or making a reference to a past storyline or setting up a future story. It was this extremely tight and focused narrative. Everything mattered. And I'm not saying it was perfect. I mean, it had some holes in the narrative here and there. But unlike any show that came before, it really made every moment matter, and every part of the script counted for something. The writers knew that the Lost fan base was a little bit neurotic, uh, that we would hyper-analyze every shot of every scene in every single line of dialogue, looking for clues and hidden meanings. And since they knew that, they kept a lot of the fluff and the pointless dialogue out of the story as much as possible. I bring that up because that is how I view the Bible. It's an extremely focused, interconnected story where every part counts. Everything is there for a reason. There's no fluff or meaningless chapters or even verses in the Bible. And that's why I call this podcast Exploring That Cross-References. Everything in the Bible is a reference to something else, whether it's referring to something from the past, forwarding the story of the present, or setting something up for the future. And if you don't believe me, or if that idea sounds a little bit far-fetched, well, Let's test that theory today. As I mentioned in my previous episode, and that was number 17, um, I had this lesson ready to go. I had everything all typed up, my study was finished, it was hours of work, and then after a Sunday school class, I dropped my computer and it broke, and I lost all my work that, that I hadn't yet backed up to that point. And so that was a really bad day. And it, one of the things I had not backed up yet was this lesson right here. So I had to start this lesson over and it was a really big one. So um, I stuck something else in for the meantime. That was episode 17. You know, as <laughs> in the meantime, a war broke out in Ukraine where there was people dealing with bigger problems than what I was dealing with. So I don't want to be too whiny about it, but that's why episode 17 happened. Um, I just talked a little bit about some current events and what was going on with Russia and Ukraine. And uh, anyway, I, I actually really wanted to do this lesson right after the last Ezekiel lesson because it followed along with chapter four and what we were talking about back in episode 16. So anyway, if you remember in chapter four, 
We talked about how Jerusalem was going to find itself under a siege. The forces of Babylon, they were going to come against it and surround the city. Ezekiel was told in chapter 4 to act out the siege, and he was to use some props, and he was told to act it out for 430 days straight. Except the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what the 430 days represented. Let let me read those verses again, and then we'll talk about them some more today. So Ezekiel 4, and this is verses 4 through 6, it says, Then lie on your left side and place the punishment of the house of Israel upon it. For the same number of days that you lie on it, you shall bear their punishment. For I assign to you a number of days, 390 days, equal to the number of the years of their punishment. So long shall you bear the punishment of the house of Israel. And when you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the punishment of the house of Judah. Forty days I assign you, a day for each year. Now, we talked through the entirety of chapter 4 back in uh, episode number 16, like I said. But when I got to these verses, I mentioned that the 430 days of lying on his side, and that's 390 plus 40, that's how we get to 430. That was something that was such a big topic that I felt like it really deserved its own lesson. And so that's what we're getting into today. Ezekiel was told to act this out for 390 days lying on one side and then to lie on his other side for 40 days. Now, why the division? Well, God says in the verses that the 390 days, that was representing the judgment pertaining to the northern part of Israel, and the 40 days represented the judgment that the southern part of Israel had earned. So as we kind of discussed, the northern part of Israel was much more wicked than the southern portion. Um, Every single king who came from the northern portion of Israel was a bad king. And then on the southern side, most of them were also bad, but you occasionally had some good kings in the south. You had some spiritual revivals down in the south. And so since the southern portion was less sinful, I would imagine that's why the northern portion had 390 days worth of judgment and the south only had 40 days worth of judgment. So altogether, it's 430 days. Now, what does the 430 days mean? Some think that the 430 days is talking about how long the siege of Jerusalem would last. And there's a couple problems with that, though. Okay, so one, um, and and from historical sources, it turns out the siege actually lasted about 500 days, and that's kind of close to 430, you know, kind of close, not but not really. Um, and it would seem weird that God would be like so precise about the number, but then be 70 days off. And then there's also this portion to consider, this point. When Ezekiel is told to lie on his side for all these days, God says that the days, it's actually not about the number of days, but that they represent the number of years of their punishment. So the days, they, they represent years of judgment. I'm not, it's not really about the days at all. So it's not really supposed to line up with how long the siege lasted anyway. We have to figure out though, what it was and when it was that Israel suffered for 430 years. And this number 430, um, it probably would have made the Israelites also think back to their captivity in Egypt because that also lasted 430 years. Exodus 12:40 says the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. And so that 430 year period that actually started all the way back when Abraham first went down to Egypt for help, that's early on in the book of Genesis. And so Israel was not enslaved for that whole period. But um, the slavery, that that part lasted closer to about 200 years. But it says that the people lived in Egypt for 430 years because that started back when that's when Abraham first went down there. 
So that's when God started the clock on that on that timing. So anyway, what does the 430 refer to, though, in Ezekiel? Um, because God is not talking about something there that happened in the past when he's talking there in Ezekiel. He's warning them about a future judgment, one that was still yet to come. So, you know, perhaps God picked 430 because he was pointing out that <laughs> they didn't learn the first time they were out of their land for 430 years. So now they're going to have to learn the second time. And as you probably know, Israel did end up going into captivity, but for 70 years. And this was by the Babylonians. Jeremiah prophesied this. If you look in Jeremiah 25, 11, it said, This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And then, as we know from the Bible and from ancient history, Israel was prevented from returning to Jerusalem for that 70-year period. The Babylonians came in, and they killed or imprisoned many of the Jewish people. They were driven out of Jerusalem. The, the Jews lost control of their land. And they had thought, you know, that they were impenetrable because God had given them given them this land in a promise to Abraham. It was to be to Abraham and his descendants for forever. And yet, God also had promises to evict them from the land if they turned to sin, which is what Israel did. Israel sinned so much that God took his hand of protection off of Israel and he allowed Israel's enemies to come in and take them away. So through three major attacks, and this was over a 19-year period, the Babylonians took Jerusalem. And Ezekiel is written in the middle of the second and third attack, I believe. Um, the, third, the third and final attack comes in, I think it, it was 586 BC. So, And by the way, it's not just warned about in Jeremiah, it's warned about all the way back in Leviticus and among other places. But even in Leviticus, it warned the Israelites that they would not have guaranteed rights to their land. Their blessing to live in the land, it was dependent upon their continued obedience to God's law. Uh, let me read a portion here from Leviticus chapter 26. Okay, this is verses 14 through 18. This is what God said all the way back then. Before that even got into the land, by the way. This is what God warned them about. But if you will not listen to me, and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes, and if your soul abhors my rules, so that you will not do all my commandments, but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease, and fever that consume the eyes, and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you, and you shall flee when none pursues you. And if in spite of this you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins. So we're going to come back to this again later. Um, but I just want you to see here how abundantly clear that God is being to them. Again, this is before they even got into the land. They're on their way from Egypt to the promised land, which was Israel. They're on their way and God's already warning them. Israel must obey or they will be kicked out. Everything that Israel was told came true. So we'll continue to read about these exact horrors as we go forward in Ezekiel later. So the first siege, that was at about 608, 607 BC. Um, and then the Jews were taken captive by the Babylonians at, from the first siege there. Uh, not all of them, but some of them. Daniel was part of that group. They remained, though, the, the, the country of Israel. It remained under Babylonian control until the Babylonians were later conquered by the Persians. You actually read about this uh, in the book of Daniel chapter 5. 
So the Babylonians are conquered. The Persians take control. And the Persians, they pretty quickly allowed the Jews to go back and resettle in Jerusalem and rebuild everything. You read all about that in Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, it was the Persian king, I think Cyrus, who allowed the kings, the, I'm sorry, allowed the Jews to return home. Um, this was called the Decree of Cyrus. It was given in 537 BC. It was right at 70 years after the first attack, just as Jeremiah had prophesied. Um, but it's not what Ezekiel had prophesied. Ezekiel had prophesied that there would be 430 years of punishment given to Israel. 390 for the northern kingdom, 40 days for the southern kingdom. And that, and Ezekiel was told that these days um, that he was to lay on his side, they corresponded to the 430 years of Israel's punishment. And there's really you know, no scholarly consensus on what these 430 years are all about. Um, like every answer I would read, it would basically raise more questions than answers. And I read so many commentaries trying to find the answer to this. I mean, I, I studied harder for this lesson than I did for any other Ezekiel lesson so far. I, I just usually read a few commentaries, and then by then I've got a good grasp of the material, what that section of verses are all about, and I start writing my lesson. And this time, I looked in like every single last biblical resource that I had on my bookshelves. I looked at every single one that addressed the book of Ezekiel, and there was a significant amount. I looked at the Bible Speaks Today commentary by Christopher Wright, the pulpit commentary on Ezekiel by E.H. Plumtree, the, the New International Commentary on the Old Testament by Daniel Block, Expository Notes on Ezekiel the Prophet by H.A. Ironside, the NIV Application Commentary by Ian DeGuid, the Through the Bible Commentary by J. Vernon McGee, the John Corson Application Commentary, the Bible Knowledge Commentary on the Major Prophets by John Rolf Walford, the Commentary on the New Testament Use of the Old Testament by D.A. Carson, the Apologetic Study Bible, the Schofield Reference Bible, the NIV Study Bible, the ESV Study Bible. As I said, I really tried to do my homework on this lesson. I think I read just about every single view that's out there. And, and there are some that are more popular than others. But there was only one view that I really found to be perfect. There was only one that answered all my questions and left me satisfied <laughs> and left my mind sufficiently blown in the way that only God can do. And the perfect view, I would say, is presented in Chuck Missler's commentary on Ezekiel. Now, that's actually an audio commentary, and it has some text, textual notes that go along with it, um, but you don't find this on a bookshelf at a Christian store. You'd find it on a CD or on an MP3 download. That's how I have it. Uh, Chuck Missler, he passed away, I think, in 2018, but his work is still available on his ministry website. It's called uh, it's called Koinonia House, khouse.org, I think is his website. And a lot of it's free on YouTube and other places. Chuck Missler, he was a military veteran, an extremely successful businessman. He's believed to have had an IQ that was near 200. And he devoted the last 20 or 30 years of his life to being a theologian and a Bible teacher. And um, in his commentary uh, on the book, of, he has it over the whole Bible in his one on Ezekiel. Uh, he talks about the view I'm going to share today. And he didn't even come up with the view on his own. This was actually originally discovered by a man named Sir Robert Anderson. And Sir Robert Anderson is a Scotland Yard police commissioner uh, who lived in England. This is like he lived 100 years ago. Um, and he was also a mathematician and, and theologian. And so he came up with this view. He discovered this. Chuck Missler shared it in his commentary. So here's what he says. And this is going to involve some math, which, by the way, I hate. <laughs> you know, If you know me, I hate math. 
And that's another reason it took me so long to get this lesson together. Um, and I don't know, you might, if you, unless you're really good at doing math in your head, you might want to kind of sketch this out as I'm putting it together, if, if that would help you. So here's how this breaks down. Israel went into captivity for 70 years, as we know from Jeremiah's prophecy and from historical sources. And Ezekiel pro- uh, prophesied that they would have 430 years of punishment. But, as I said, Ezekiel gets off the hook after 70. So here's what we should do first. Let's subtract the 70 from the 430 years that Israel was assigned. Okay? That would mean that they still have 360 years of punishment that's left that Israel is supposed to answer for. But it seems kind of like they've been given an early parole. You know, it's like, okay, wow, Ezekiel prophesied 430 and they got off after 70. So what's the deal with that remaining 360 years? And by the way, if you go another 360 years after Israel gets back, um, there's not really any significance there to that year. Um, They do have some new owners by then, as in new people who own the land. But their situation, it's essentially the same. You know, and what is their situation? Well, Israel's people can once again live in the land of Israel, but they don't get to own their own homeland. It went from Persian ownership to Greek ownership. And then by the time of Jesus is under Roman ownership and the Jewish people, they actually don't get the rights to owning that land again until really until modern times, May of 1948. So until then, Israel never did regain ownership of its own historic land. So, whatever became of the 360 years? Well, we can actually figure out where they went by revisiting those verses that I read in Leviticus earlier. So if you remember, back in Leviticus, it's where God was telling Israel that their right to the land was contingent upon their obedience to God. Or else, you know, as he said, he would hand them over to their enemies. And that's that ended up being exactly what he did. So let's read again what he said in verse 18. Leviticus 26, 18 says, And if in spite of this you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins. In verse 21, Then if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. Verse 24, And if by this discipline you are not turned to me but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you. And I myself will strike you sevenfold for your sins. And it says it even more after that. So so God says that after the initial punishment, God said, if you haven't learned your lesson, I'll punish you again sevenfold. So let's try something with that 360 years that we had remaining from before. Let's assume that Israel, even though they had been kicked out of their land, okay, let's assume that Israel didn't repent as much for their sins as God had wanted, even after he allowed them back in. I mean, they still had a lot of issues even after he let them back in. Their big improvement was that they stopped worshiping idols, but they still had problems with marriage and and tithing and justice, honoring the temple and so forth. We read about this at the end of the Old Testament with some of the prophets there. So maybe they didn't really repent to the degree that God wanted. Let's take that 360 remaining years and say, well, what if God punished them sevenfold for those remaining years, just as he threatened to do back in Leviticus? Okay? 
He said, I'll punish you sevenfold if you haven't learned your lesson. Well, 360 times seven, that would be 2,520. Now, before you go and start adding that up on a timeline, I need to introduce one more wrinkle <laughs> to the equation, okay? There's one more wrinkle here to this equation. And I need to explain for a minute about biblical years. Because if we follow a Julian or a Gregorian calendar that has 365 and a fourth days in it, right? We base this on revolutions around the sun. So every time we make a full rotation around the sun, you know, we are at a new year. And, and doing it that way, that makes perfect sense to us, right? However, the biblical calendar is actually just a little bit off from that. A biblical calendar is based on a lunar calendar. Um, a biblical year, I should say, is based on a lunar calendar. The ancient Jews didn't do their year based on the sun. They did it based on the moon. Now, as you probably know, every 30 days is a new moon. And they calculated their months based on new moons. So every 12 months was a year, but their year or their months, they always had 30 days in them each time. So their years had 360 days. Now, that's not radically different from a solar year, like how we do it. Uh, but whenever we start measuring large gaps of time, such as 2,520 years, you're, you're going to have some discrepancies there. So before we deal with the 2,520 years and where that might fit in, I, we need to calculate that based on how people in the Bible would tell time. And, and if you're wondering, like, where, what's this about biblical years? <laughs> you, know, you might have never heard this concept before, but we see this in the Bible um, all the way through to the book of Revelation. Like it talks about the tribulation period. It discusses periods of like three and a half years, which would be half of the tribulation period. And it, it, if you'll read this in Revelation, it defines that span of time specifically as 42 months and 1,260 days. When it talks about three and a half years, it says that is 1,260 days. One of the clearest places you can see this is Revelation 11. Three and a half years equals 42 months equals 1,260 days. If you break all that down, you have it saying that one year is 360 days. So from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is using the lunar calendar to calculate months and years. So it, let's start with the decree of Cyrus that the Jews could return to Jerusalem. And that would have been, we can actually go to the exact day. It was 537 BC, month number seven, day number 23. So let's start there from the decree of Cyrus. From that specific historical date, 70 years have already been accounted for in the punishment. Israel can go back to the land. But they don't own the land. And as if we were going by Ezekiel, there are 360 years of punishment left. So, as I've been saying, let's take that 360 years times 7, as God threatened to do back in Leviticus. So that's 2,520 years. Now, let's convert the 2,520 years of Israel's punishment. Let's, let's convert that from biblical years, counting that to that date. Let's convert that into Julian calendar years so that we can get a correct understanding of where that ends up. All right? So 2,520 years with 360 days per year, that would be 907,200 days. Okay? Convert that into our Julian calendar. That comes out to 2,483 calendar years, 
plus nine months and 21 days. <laughs> okay, I know there's a lot of math there. I'm not asking you to do it. I'm so thankful that Sir Robert Anderson already calculated all this for us so that we don't have to. So I'm thankful for Anderson. And, and, and later, Chuck Missler also did this. He took that span of time and he counted out specifically where you would end up. All right. He accounted for the, you know, you'd have to remove some leap years from that equation. Um, and then there was something called the Gregorian reform in the 1500s. And that actually took 11 days off of the calendar. So you take all those things into account. You have to take off an extra year when you go from BC to AD because there's no year zero. So once you do all that, once you got all that figured up, where do we end up from there? Okay. 907,200 days from the decree of Cyrus. Where do you end up? Well, that brings us literally, specifically to May 14th of 1948. The exact day that Israel was reborn as a nation. The, the exact day that they finally got ownership of their land back. If you start at the decree of Cyrus and you do all those calculations, removing the leap days and so forth, it brings you to the literal year of 1948 and the literal day, May 14th. So the 1948 date... That was not just a random date that could have happened at any time. God had appointed that date. I believe, and I think the math shows, God appointed that date more than 2,500 years ago as the date that Israel's punishment would finally be over. For that entire period of time, Israel lost its rights to the land. But on May 14th, 1948, they got their land back. For the first time since the Babylonians conquered them centuries and centuries ago. Dates on the calendar are not random. Everything God does has a purpose. There is a point. There is a destiny. God is in control. down in a few minutes with some closing thoughts. Um, now, I know this is a lot to wrap your mind around today, and I hope I've explained it well. Uh, this was a lot for me to wrap my mind around. And that's why I had to spend so much time pouring over every commentary, leaving no stone unturned, looking for every possible explanation. But I think I found the only perfect explanation for what the 430 days and years, what they're all about. So I know that's a lot to take in. Um, give this episode another listen if that was too much to get all at once or, or perhaps you can go seek out the commentary by Chuck Missler now that said if you have a question on this chapter as I imagine some of you probably do just leave a comment or shoot us an email it's crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com and I'd be happy to take questions or recommendations on subjects that you think I should tackle in the future or if you want to know something more about what we discussed today and I've done a lot of math today, okay? In fact, I want to give you I want to give you an equation for you to figure out, okay? So we can both say that we did some math today. And I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, perhaps you can do it in your head. If you're not good at doing math in your head, you might want to pause this and go grab a pen and paper, all right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your age, all right? For example, I am 31. I'm going to be 32 in a few weeks, but right now, I am 31. So I want you to take your age 
and this is your first number, okay? I want you to create a new number by adding one to it. And that will be your second number, okay? So now you should have two numbers. The first one is your age. The second one is your age plus one. So for me, that's 31 and 32, all right? But don't go, by, don't go with mine. What's your number? You should have two numbers now, your age and your age plus one, all right? I want you to add those two numbers together. Just take a moment and add them both together, all right? Have you done that? Now, take that number, the new one that you have, and add nine to it, okay? Now that you've done that, what I want you to do next, divide it by two. That just means to cut it in half, all right? Now, I want you to take this number that you're looking at, all right, the, the latest sum that you've gotten after you divide it by two. I want you to take that and I want you to do one last thing to it. This is the final step. I want you to subtract your age from it. Okay, do you still remember how old you are? <laughs> this was the original number that you started with. I want you to subtract it from the latest number you've gotten, okay? Have you done that? Now, once you've done that, you should be left with a final number. Here's what I want you to do with that final number. I want you to convert that number into stars. Now, how do you do that? Well, on the podcast platform that you're listening to, scroll down to the rating section, and I want you to leave a review based on how many stars that you got in the final number from that equation, okay? Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute. This, this podcast, I think this is a one-star show or a two-star show. Now, what, what you need to do, though, is you need to obey the algorithm that I gave you and leave a review based on that many stars. So I will be checking your math skills. I'm gonna look at the reviews later, okay, and make sure that you left at the right answer. So don't let me down. Show me that you did the math right and, and leave a podcast review there based on the correct number of stars. And don't let me down. All right, guys, next time on this podcast, um, I'm looking to do a study on a man named Ahithophel, and he's a minor character in 2 Samuel. Um, you might have never even heard of him before, but here's the thing. He's also one of the seven suicides in the Bible. There's only seven suicides in the Bible, and one of them, one of them is this man, Ahithophel. So we're going to cover his story whenever we return next week on the Cross References podcast. And again, let me just remind you what the purpose of my podcast is. This is where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story. That's why I call this podcast Cross References. So if you have a Bible that says Cross References on the side, it means that every verse, it's going to have some margins that show all the places that this verse intersects with another verse or it has a parallel with something in another location in the Bible, and it ties everything together. So that's half of the reason that I call this podcast cross-references, because we're tying all these things together in the Bible. And the other half is because we also, every episode, refer to the cross. Um, but when I just Isaiah 28.10 on this idea of how to study the Bible, here's what it tells us to do. It says, For it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. 
So like I said, that's my philosophy for this podcast, especially the here a little, there a little. We take a little here from Jeremiah and a little there from Leviticus, and we see if it helps us understand something back in Ezekiel. And, and we can only do that because the Bible truly is a supernatural book. I mean, it had more than 40 human authors, but it only had one spiritual author, the Holy Spirit. And guys, God, the Holy Spirit is smart. But we've got to be smart to be able to piece this stuff together. We've got to be willing to stretch our brains a little bit. I mean, I had to do math. <laughs> That's a sacrifice for me. So what did we also see today? We saw that there's nothing in the Bible that's just wasted space or extraneous, okay? The 430 days, they mean something. The sevenfold warning in Leviticus 26, that was not just an, an empty threat that never went anywhere. God delivered on it. Everything in the Bible matters. Even the show Lost, as brilliantly plotted as it was, it had some missteps. You know, there were a couple episodes that introduced mysteries that never really went anywhere or it gave answers that were far from satisfying. Now, there were epic payoffs on a lot of things, but there were also storylines that never got a follow-up. And then the finale, it was one of those endings that for me, it left more questions than answers. So Lost had a lot going for it, but at the end, it showed that the writers didn't quite know how they wanted the story to end. They hadn't quite planned it all the way through. But God is not like that. God has a plan. Every loose thread in the Bible leads somewhere. Now, we don't know what all of them are. We find some of them out along the way, but God knows the end from the beginning. God has everything he wants to do mapped out. Nothing in the Bible is forgotten about or extra or fluff. It tells one big story about what God is doing in this world and what your place in it is. And I hope you believe that more than ever today. Thanks for listening to the Cross References Podcast. This is Luke Taylor reminding you that I literally did math.